from Studio 2180 at Callaway Global Headquarters, Carlsbad, California, it's the Solid 35 Show with Harry Arnett and Nick Rafael. Today, joining us all the way from Greater London is longtime European tour player and Callaway's director of European tour operations, Mr. Peter Harrison. And now, from the Solid 35 Studios, here's Harry and Nick. Hello, 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 Internet golfers. How are you? It's Harry Arnett. I'm here with a very special guest today, Nick Rafael. You're not that special. Not a, You're here all the guest. time. I'm not a, I'm not special. I'm not a guest. I felt like you were special because you got the yellow shirt on today. Again, that's your money shirt, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I was pumped. Laid it out last night. Pressed it. Nick is perfectly merchandised today. He's got the yellow shirt, the black pants, black hat. He looks like he's ready to take the field for the 1977 Pittsburgh Pirates with Kent DeColvey. I'm going to throw out all my... We it, are family. We are family. Will you start? That was 79, right? Yeah. When the Pirates won. But we're going to have a great show today on Solid 35. I've been getting a lot of tweets lately from people that are saying a bunch of things. They're making fun of me. They're trolling me. They're claiming lots of things. But one of the things they're asking is, why is this particular streamcast called Solid 35? And actually, my wife even asked that this morning. I left early. She said, what are you doing? I said, we got Solid 35 with Nick today. She said, why is it called Solid 35? I thought it was obvious to everyone. Apparently, it's not. Names are very difficult in golf, as you know. If they were easy, we wouldn't have names like Speed Frame Face. And we wouldn't have names like Mac Daddy 2. Names are hard. Sometimes they're not very good. Solid 35. It's a golf thing. It's like, I shot a solid 35. That's, that's what I thought. Right? And here's the other thing. It's only 35 minutes of your time. That's it. 35 minutes. That's all you have to invest in this is 35 minutes. Think of all the things that take just 35 minutes, Nick. What are they? Well, for people with hair, that's about the time that you would get a haircut. I can get uh, not 10 for to you. 15 haircuts in it done. Yeah, for you, that's that's nothing. It's one swipe. It's yep. one swipe down the down, down the sides for you. It's a circle. Half circle. It's, it's the same time that it would take to cash a check at, at the bank. Do people do that anymore? No. no people don't cash checks anymore, do they? All right. Um, it's the same time that it takes to sign up for uh, Little League Baseball for your kids. It takes about 35 minutes online. All right. That's all it takes. Um, let me think what else. 35. It's the same time it takes hashtag Chad to play a short par three. About 35 minutes. But that's all pre-shot routine. All of that. Me. <laughs> yeah. One minute for hitting the golf ball. And 34 minutes for his practice swings, club selection, wind direction, tweets. bunch of tweets and, and photographs. So it's 35 minutes, and we promise you that we will not waste your time. And if we do, we will give you your money back off of your premium subscription to Solid 35. Money back guaranteed for today. And today we've got a great show because it's this is a European-themed show today, Should be. Nick. And I could tell you brought in your your dress European today. Mm -hmm. You're dressed with some Spanish flair, um, but also in in the spirit of the of the European uh, of the Open Championship coming, in the spirit of the World Cup. And another World Cup's global, but since we lost to Belgium, we decided to pay an homage to our European friends. I was hating on the Belgians, by the way, on Twitter. It did not work. I thought that that would work. <laughs> I thought if I ran. So much smack on 
Twitter that that would somehow bring positive vibes to the U.S. team. No, we, we were it did not defense. work. It did not work. <laughs> it brought positive vibes to Tim Howard. It did not bring positive vibes to the rest of the squad, unfortunately. And it's kind of hard to hate Belgium. That's a pretty cool country. A lot of good stuff there. You know what? They seem to be the most docile on the on the pitch. They are. And how can you not like Nick Colsarts and Thomas Peters? Love uh, those guys. Exactly. Hard to hate on them. And they have a healthy dislike and rivalry with the French, which that's always fun. <laughs> French take themselves very seriously. The French are the country equivalent of Greg Sabella. They take themselves very, very seriously. So today is a European tour themed show, and we have a guy that we is one of the top 10 guys in golf of people that you like. He played on the European tour for many, many years. I think 15 years on the PJ tour was a P, uh, European tour, European tour winner. And now he leads all of the Callaway European tour operations uh, in Europe. And that's Peter Harrison. Peter, we have Peter Peter's on the show. Peter's been today. with us a long time, about 18 years or so. I mean, he has worked from day one with the Callaway company over there, and he is a great, great person. So I'm looking forward to talking to Peter. I know you are too. And we're going we're gonna to extend it. It's going to be an extended interview conversation with Peter because he has a lot to say and we don't want to waste his time. So he's calling in from overseas. We're going to talk to him about the European tour. We're going to talk to him about the British open, or I'm sure he'll say the open championship. The listener um, should turn up the volume just slightly because Peter's very, very insightful on the game in general, and he's very, very well-traveled, and he will give some very, very good insights. He is our EF Hutton, to throw yes. an old reference to you. Yes. When Peter talks, People we listen. listen. So we have Peter on the program today. We know you're going to enjoy it. If you just dedicate 30 seconds of your time right now, we're going to try to sell you something, and when we get back, we will talk to Peter Harrison. In a world where all drivers are long, comes a driver with a new kind of long. A driver that's come back to go even farther. Drivers with the right weight in the right place that generate even more distance. Drivers that prove you can't argue with physics. Big Bertha's back, and she's a lot meaner. All right, our first guest on the program today is a guy that we think is top 10 best guys in golf. Can I say that, Nick? We top already five. said that. Top, top five. five best guys in golf. Sort of two careers, Nick. First, as a player for many, many years on the European Tour. Winner, a European Tour winner. And most recently, and most importantly to us, because this show is always about what's in it for us, as our head of the European Tour operations for Callaway Golf, Mr. Peter Harrison. I almost called you Sir Peter Harrison, but I guess that being a, uh, a Brit, I can't say that. But I will say Mr. Peter Harrison. Peter, thanks for joining us. No problem. Pleasure. So what, what exactly is your life like right this very minute? Well, I've been waiting around all day to speak to you guys. I've been, uh, I'm not sure what to do, whether I'm <laughs> nervous or not. <laughs> I imagine it was very suspense-filled waiting there. <laughs> So well, we're, we're getting we're getting geared up for. Is the British Open, in your opinion, still the Super Bowl? Uh, see how see my American slant there. Is it still yeah. the premier event, in your opinion, from a European tour player's perspective? Oh, totally. Well, the the Open Championship. Uh, yeah, sorry is about that. Definitely the uh, the event, uh, the tournament for any any European player. And I was just 
the reason I was asking that is the game's gotten so global now. It used to be when you know I was growing up watching golf, learning about golf. The Open Championship was really the only time we got to see a lot of the European players, um, in addition to the Masters. But you know, in Masters being a smaller event, that was really the only time we'd see some guys like Peter Oosterhuis and some yeah. of the great, you know, Tony Jacklin, those yeah. kind of players. And now it's such a global game. A lot of the European players are living over here that. You know, we're used to seeing these guys now, but every now and then a guy will pop up and you'll see him on the leaderboard that you don't know. But obviously you'll know all these guys because you're over there. Yeah, well, it's strange you should say that because I've played in a couple of Open Championships and it's a long time ago now, but we, we as tour players uh, during the uh, 80s and early 90s, we always used to think that there was not enough space, uh, places for European players, actually. It was really set up for, for the tournament to be a very international field. Um, but that international field has changed uh, dramatically, actually, because of the amount of certainly British players uh, and Australian players, South African players, who now play full-time in the U.S. Uh, under in the, or, and are in the world top 50 and are, are exempt for the Open Championship now. So uh, the, the global look to the Open Championship um, is very much more apparent now than it was 20 years ago. And I would think, Peter, even just in, 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 our, in our day job, uh, that international flavor's gotten even more so because go back uh, to your playing days and the schedule that the European Tour was and then briefly kind of explain today's European Tour schedule. So then that may answer the international flavor. Well, when I first started, when I first played on the European Tour, the first time, first year I played was 1979, which is a long time ago. Uh, and the the tour sort of started um, late March, early April, um, and then finished in October. Hmm. Uh, and we we generally just played through Europe. Uh, but now the the European Tour now schedule is from um, from the first week in. Uh, January, which was this year in uh, South Africa, uh, and then goes all the way through to the week before Christmas. Um, so we've it's a very full and very international that we visit now. Um, South Africa, Middle East, um, Australia, uh, Asia. You know, we we truly are. A, it's a global tour, really. The European tour shouldn't be called the European tour anymore. It should be called the anything outside of the U.S. tour. <laughs> On that note, again, just the international flavor. Uh, uh, you know, just servicing the tours, um, you guys, I mean, at one point there was an event in Russia, and as you said, yep. Mal- in Malaysia and the Asia area in general, but um, uh, the logistics of that, how, like the USPJ Tour, you know, you probably have legitimately about 300 to 350 uh, members that can play the tour, and then probably you've got probably 200 that are actively playing. What do you think the numbers are that you service of, of players globally? Well, we on the on the European tour last year, I can tell you that we there there were actually over a thousand different players played on in a European tour event uh, during the whole of the year, uh, and we we will have um, I think it's something around the 500 mark that we will have had some piece of Callaway Odyssey product in the golf bag. So I, I guess that takes recruiting to a whole other level, trying to keep Absolutely. up with all that. Um, Absolutely. But that comes back to the international flavor of the Open, Harry. I mean, you know, you, you get the Japanese, the Japan qualifiers, 
the okay. uh, European qualifiers. You get the U.S. has a qualifier now. Then you get the the world rankings, which are yep. used to be dominated by U.S. players. Now it's yep. it's maybe dominated by international players. Well, I yep. see a lot of what's happening on the European tour to me is, or excuse me, the Everywhere But America tour. Um, we'll we'll go with that, Peter. Is yeah, good. that you know even five five years ago to ten years ago, there was. I think a misperception from the American tour about what the European tour was all about. And, you know, I even thought from an outsider's standpoint, without any rooting interest, some of the things that would said around the Ryder Cup about, well, the Europeans tend to rise to the occasion of the Ryder Cup because they have more chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. I always thought they play some pretty good golf on the European tour. And, golf, yes. and even now, with there being more exposure on the golf channel in the mornings and a lot of the international players, and you're seeing guys like um, Matteo Montesero, and even, you know, so point being, a couple of things I think are happening on the European tour. Number one, the number of players that are seeming to come out of the continent now, um, really good players mm-hmm. from places that you really, I mean, Keimer, uh, Montesero, we don't in team Callaway we we have guys yep. from Belgium on mm-hmm. our yep. on our team that are really good really good so yep. the the tour is getting a lot deeper i think true true peter yes i think so i think i think what happens is that you from these these regions from um, within europe um you'll get a, a good player and we'll, let's use germany and and the uh and Keimer. but Keimer will have you know, growing up watching Bernhard Langer, for instance, and 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 it's players like Bernhard there or Constantino Rocca from from Italy, that really are the are the and Sevi Ballesteros even from Spain. You know, they, he's they're the forerunners to the sort of growth of their golf professionally uh, within their own countries, um, and and that's why we're getting a lot more guys from these uh, these countries throughout Europe and through Asia and through South Africa with the you know Gary Player and the Ernie Els effect. So. Uh, that's certainly happening more and more around the world. Uh, Harry, you mentioned something about the chemistry in the Ryder Cup and the Europeans, um, and I'll kind of set this up a little bit. Uh, I obviously work; I go over only three times a year to Europe, and it's all it's all that you're allowed to go. Yeah, it's all that's all they allow yes. me to go. Uh, the translation, I can't find enough translators. But uh, but Peter comes probably over here four to five times in a year, whereas I go over there three times a year. So we've been able to see over the course of 15 plus years between us uh just how players travel and the american players are very insular they're by themselves um they go back to the hotel they disappear into the room it seems like whereas when i'm in europe peter and you can comment on this from your point of view i mean you can go in the lobby and uh, miguel and gal jimenez will be having a uh, a, a cigar and a glass of beer with his friends or other players will be sitting collectively together at the table. At 7 a.m. Yes, at 7 a.m. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that it just seems like, Peter, talk about just you, your perceptions of watching the PGA Tour and the camaraderie of the players at events versus a European Tour. There's probably a couple of differences you've really noticed. Well, I think it, it, it boils down to options, and those options were very limited for European tour players, um, you know, through the through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s, even now, uh, where we visit, where we, we, we tend to be all staying in the, the same hotel, um, you know, for for 
for financial reasons because we can get a better deal because there's more of us staying there, etc. So you will see more players as a player or anybody working around the tour uh, on a day-to-day, night-to-night basis. Whereas in America, um, you know, you've got a m- massive amount of hotels at every event that you go to, so you don't have to stay in one place, and you, and you don't have to eat in the the hotel lobby like we sometimes do in you know traveling down to Asia or whatever. It's just a, it, it's just so different in your opportunities to stay and eat, and then that gives you the the as a European player the um, ability to bond with other players because you spend more time with them where in america you, you just don't do that as much yeah. it's not, it's not, not it doesn't make them bad people it's just that the the, the lifestyle and the opportunities there are, are far wider and greater i could see that because even on the pga tour harry to his point there's a lot of houses that players will rent for the week uh and stay at a private housing versus you know within the region of the country club or the the event uh venue whereas over there you, you, i guess there you, you're Combinations are a little more limited. No, I mean, I, talking to a guy like Nicholas Colsarts, who plays, you know, all over the place, both tours, he articulates it that way. It's a very different vibe from a player standpoint on the European tour versus the the U.S. tour. And I always felt like, and I wonder how much of this is still around, Peter. Uh, maybe you can comment on it. Is just specifically about the Ryder Cup, which used to be. You know, the subtext of that was it used to be European Tour versus the US PGA Tour. And I always felt like the European players, and these are even the guys when they were ranked in the top 10, like when Faldo and Woosnam, Bayseros were playing, there was a healthy chip on their shoulder to show the US Tour that they they played, you know, even a superior type of golf at that time. Yeah. Well, I think things changed really um, when Europe was included uh, into the Ryder Cup. Uh, it used to be Great Britain and Ireland versus the U.S., um, and then that was the sort of uh, that was around the Seve Ballesteros time. And Seve was, of course, was a very international player at that point anyway. So he already knew the Americans. He was competing with Americans in America uh, and successfully doing so, uh, as was a number of other play- uh, European players. Um, and I think that just brought a little bit more bite into the um, into the competition. Um, I think just to, he, he wanted to go across there and, and, and win every tournament that he played in. And uh, certainly when the Ryder Cup came around there, he just wanted a chance to, to beat the Americans. And I think that's just grown as the years have gone on. We've got so many of our Ryder Cup team who play full-time in the U.S. now anyway, uh, that it's, uh, I think that adds more to it uh, for them, that is, for the players. So it's... Uh, um, Generally, you don't get very many guys who play in the Ryder Cup team, and our Ryder Cup team now, that, that haven't played an awful lot uh, already in America. So well, they know the American I used players. to la- last year when they said, uh, oh, if the Europeans can't win, pull out the upset, you know, the, the comeback at Medina, they're going to have a very, very solemn team flight back to Lake Nona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly my point, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting because, you know, talk about playing a lot. You know, Henrik Stinson, for example, will play probably 15-plus events here in the States, and then he leaves and in the fall after the FedEx Cup and then probably plays almost a full schedule in the race of Dubai just in the fall, much less yeah. January and February whenever they're in the Middle East yeah. and South Africa. Well, he, he's, he is a very... He's, 
in particular, right, and today uh, for the top players is very international on their schedule, um, more so than most people I would think right now. Um, but I think he, but he does that because he enjoys it. Um, he's, he's, you know, when he played full time in, in Europe, uh, he was already playing in these places. So, and he'd had some success there. Um, and I think he just enjoys playing around the world. Well, real quick, looking at your staff, a wonderful year. I think three wins so far this year. Uh, well, actually, just our first win. Our first win last week for Fabrizio Zanotti, yep. uh, the new staff player for us. Um, so he, he played very, very well in Germany and uh, managed to win in a playoff. Well, I, I, I tell you, it was like a Callaway leaderboard, that event. Yeah. Uh, having four, five, yeah. six guys up there all the way. And then we had three in the U.S., which were right there, and one was leading, but we uh, melted just like we did in the Ryder Cup this week <laughs> on America Tour. And then actually our Web.com Tour was doing well, and Lydia Ko finishes second to Stacey Lewis birding the last hole. And uh, so we had good representation. But on your tour, right now going into the Open, Peter, who do you think's in pretty good form? Well, he's playing. He, well, he played in uh, Germany last week, but I think I, I really like uh, Stenson going into uh, the Open. I like I Stenson at uh, Pinehurst um, he's such too. Such a good iron player, and I think you've got to be uh, forgetting about how Tiger played it uh, the last time the Open was there, with uh, when the ground was was bone dry. Uh, it's going to be a different golf course this year, but I think um, strong iron player is going to be of the essence uh, there um, in a couple of weeks' time. So he's kind of my my favorite of our staff players right now. That's a good pick, and he's making some putts too, which is always yep. nice come major and, championship and time. He, he kind of did the same last year. He's sort of coming into form at the same time as he did last year. So um, you know, it might be his time. He finished second last year to to Phil. So uh, hopefully, he can go one better uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Well, this is easily my favorite time of the year for golf. And you got guys, I mean, everybody should be in mid-season form right now. What are you hearing? Have you been out to Liverpool at all? What are you hearing about what you mentioned that it's going to be different this time around than last time? I know that was a, a totally unusual golf course that they found there with it being so dry and fast. What are you hearing about how it's going to play? Well, the big difference is grass. There's going to be <laughs> There'll <something>. be grass. <laughs> I'm not lying. I was there. It, it was you walked, and it was so parched that, that, Harry, when you walked, powder came up from every step. I mean, yeah. I think literally, uh, Peter, last time we were there, from, from the knee, from your knee down, when you got done, it was just you had two pounds dust. of powder. Yeah, sand and dust. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, that, just like Pinehurst. Uh, well, I mean, it made <laughs> Pinehurst look plush. But yeah. grass this time. How will that change the course? You think, Peter? Just the, the ball will be a little bit more under control. Um, I, 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 yes, I think it'll bring the driver into play more than it did, um, um, or a longer club off the tee into play than it did uh, in 2006. But uh, I, I just think that it, there's going to be wind. You know, you're right on the, you're right on the beach there, so there's going to be wind. And depending upon the, how lucky you are with the draw, uh, with the tide, etc., um, I, I think. It's going to take a really strong iron player um, to, to to tame the golf course. And that, when I say tame the golf course, that may be three over par to win, but um, whatever the winning score will be, somebody will have been exceptional, will have played exceptionally well into the green. I, I tell you, Harry, and all the listeners out there, if you get a chance, I think the Open Championship is one of the most unique uh, sporting venues there is in, in, in all the world. And what I like the most about going there is while your general audience, you can put, you know, 
anywhere from fifteen to forty thousand down the both sides of the of the eighteenth fairway, depending on the venue. And you know, you're gonna have a range from scratch golfers to thirty handicappers sitting in those stands. What's unique is is a guy can hit a shot that kind of gets him in a little trouble and he just pitches over you know, on the front part of the green instead of going at the pin, and, and people applaud. And it's kind of like, hey, that was a smart play. They, they really recognize the game over there, and, for, and, and they realize that, hey, he's in a pinch, and he just played a proper shot. Yeah. And, um, and then the other thing, too, is the genuine courtesy of the, stand, the fans there. Uh, but, but just the atmosphere it gives you. You know, the U.S. Open gives you a, a distinct feel. Obviously, Augusta gives you a distinct feel. But the Open Championship with the international flavor, and then they're always links type courses. It's just a, it's just the way I think golf was meant to be played. Um, you, you can, you you got so many options there. People look at it on TV saying it's flat, but you have so many options w- with each club, uh, each shot that you have to play, even from the tee. So um, I'm looking forward yeah, to getting an, over there. An and, excellent uh, point, Nick. I think the the thing with links golf is that it makes you play every single shot in golf. It does. Um, whether it's through the air, along the ground, or you've got to shape it into a green or down a fairway, or, or just play to a distance, which isn't always diff- uh, that easy on, on links golf. But uh, you have to, your brain has to be totally in gear when you get out there. I like it. I think it's actually something that we're missing a little bit from the U.S. tour because the U.S. tour really has become a tour about putting. To me, power and putting, power and putting, and with the setups at at the Open Championship, because it's Seaside Links, you're you're not getting greens that are running 12, 13, 14. So the living on the edge on the greens really isn't a part of how you win. It's what, how do you get, how do you get to the green, and how do you get it in position to make a putt? Exactly, and I, I Peter, you can make comment on this because you've played. A lot in America, and you've played a lot internationally. But I think just being involved with one golf course design in my life, um, and learning a lot from Hal Sutton in in doing that, is he emphasized constantly uh, to his people when when we were doing a golf course that the the biggest hazard you can give a golfer is options. <laughs> he said, if you give golfers options off the tee and they're down in the fairway and they give them options. And even when they hit it into trouble, I remember there were several times we filled in, he filled in bunkers because he thought that they only had one option, which is to take it out uh, sideways. But, but that's what I think link style golf courses give you. And that's the reason why I think international players have, have grown in the game so much here lately and, and is they, they can think better. Um, or Peter, you you can already tell you know I mean when guys from the U.S. tour go over there, the guys that really embrace that, that yeah. are yes. going to stand there in a fairway and they've got 178 yards and they're not going to just immediately go on autopilot, hand me my seven iron, but yeah. they will embrace the fact that they can play three four different types of shots, are the guys that you really know yeah. might have a chance that week. And the, the the player that springs to mind immediately for me with that is Jim Furyk. That you know, there's there's not many more intelligent golfers than Jim, um, and I think he he has the not just the ability but the the the, the brains to uh, to play a proper golf on a links golf course. I couldn't agree more. And you know what? What's what's amazing is, is Phil said it last year that he kind of conceded that he might not win an Open Championship, and that when he realized that he couldn't overpower one, which took him a long time to realize, I think was his yeah. words. 
it came it came pretty quickly to him. Yep. So uh, options are definitely a hazard. Well, Peter, we know you're a busy guy. We really appreciate you coming on today. I know that people listening really got a kick out of out of hearing what it's like over there during you know on a day to day basis and going into Royal Liverpool and Hoylake. Um, we should have. Hope we're going to have an exciting tournament. I know that much, and hopefully yeah, we'll so. have. I think so. We got some great players playing in it from Callaway Golf, so uh, fingers crossed that one of them will become successful. Perfect. Well, we've had a pretty good luck the last few years. Let's keep it <laughs> <Yep>. going. <laughs> yeah, we're on a little winning streak here. <laughs> so, Peter. third time's a charm. We'll see it this week. Thanks again, Peter, for joining us, and hope to have you on again. Thanks, Peter. Bye. That was Peter Harrison, and we will be right back. Hey everyone, it's Rihanna Sullivan with In Case You Missed It. It's the weekly recap of everything that happened at Callaway and Odyssey. You should totally check it out on the CallawayMediaProductions.com page every Friday and tweet me at SDRECG. Let me know what you think. All right, welcome back. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. On the waste of time meter, Nick, I'm giving it a zero, meaning none of your time was wasted today. We, we always pitch a no-hitter. I know. We've had a few ones and twos that were like, ah, you know, Harry rambled on a little bit. Let's give it a one or two. Or Nick said something that was a little off the cuff and a little off color. So that could, that could be construed a waste of time. That happens more than once or twice. I know. Because then we have to go with a PG-13 rating, yes. which means that fewer people listen to it. So it's a little problem. Thanks to Peter for being on the show. I really enjoyed that. We'll have to get Peter on again. Um, I just love the evolution of the European tour. And now it's it really is. Remember how people used to think of it as being it's kind of a secondary or tertiary it's tour. Not. Now we have guys going from the U.S. over there to try to qualify exactly to play. Like you know, uh, you, well, Peter Uline and Brooks, Brooks Kepka are yeah. going over there, and you'll see a lot more guys doing that. I think. Um, well, one of our own, Thomas Peters, even though he's Belgium, he wants to play in the U.S. and he went over there and got his card first try, and I think he's going to give it one more year, get more experience, and come back over here. So. So thanks to Peter. Watch the European tour. If For those of you that are up early on weekends, um, I always do that. That's always a good start to my day before I start getting yelled at to do and chores You're right. We do house. need Peter more because it's just in visiting with him and traveling with him, working with him week to week, day to day, just he has a different insight on the game. Sure does. But uh, different insight than us, for sure. Yes. Well. <laughs> he has insight, in other words. Uh, so if you liked it, if you liked the show, hit me up on Twitter, Harry Arnett, CG. If you hated the show and you want to troll us even more, you know who to send those to. That's at Nick Rafael CG. Three things we learned today, Nikki. Here they are. You ready? Are they? All right. Open championship. We know. Never, ever, ever bet on the guys that go in there poor mouthing Lynx golf. Always bet yes. on the guys that, that are enjoying and love Lynx golf. You better golf. embrace it. And look at Phil. He didn't win until he said he really enjoyed playing over there. So we see that time and time again. So pay attention to what guys are saying in the media. Number two, the game is absolutely global now. We know that. That's not new news. Watch the European tour early on weekends on the Golf Channel. They're bringing mm -hmm. it to us. You should watch it. There's a lot of cool guys on there. Um, and obviously, we like it because there are a bunch of Callaway guys over there, a lot of good young players. And the third thing, and I, I should have brought this up when we were talking about going over to watch, if you ever go over to watch the Open Championship in person, you were talking about it. Here is a public service to you listening out there. Take my word for it. I don't mean this to sound jingoistic at all. Pack your own toilet paper. Do it. You can thank me later. Pack your own toilet paper. Thanks to Peter Harrison for being on the show. As always, you can get more content you ever thought was possible on CallawayGolf.com. 
follow us at Callaway Golf on Twitter. Until we meet again for Nick and AJ and Ethan, Tony, Tony, and all of us here at Callaway Media Productions, we will see you again real soon on Solid 35. Adios.